marketers are realizing that there's an opportunity here to get more out of their existing technology. And, you know, how can they optimize the usage of their, their actual technology to get greater value out of it, rather than just always increasing the spend and just buying more tools. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sanger welcome to Tuesday Takeover for the Flip Muffle podcast, where I get to have Steve App run incredible interviews with amazing people that he gets to work with at Quarry as part of him being the ABM strategist. If you haven't taken the time, please go back and look at the last two Tuesday episodes. The first one was with Eric Martin from SAP, and the last one was fascinating with Bob Peterson of his decisions. Both of these episodes will give you a feel of like, what is it to look at, to do ABM in today's market conditions and also with large complex organizations. So. Today, Steve is bringing another really amazing guest. So, so let's get into it. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sangram. It's such a pleasure to do this with you. I've been really blessed to have this opportunity to be your guide, bringing you stories of ABM hey, in, you. in large this. enterprise. I, I get to do nothing. I love this. This is amazing. <laughs> like, I wish everything that would be true. Hey, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a win for us both then because... I, I love this opportunity to bring these large enterprise, complex ABM stories to the Flip My Funnel community. It's, it's such a thrill. I always learn something from our guests, and I hope that the audience is loving this journey as much as I am. So thank you again for that opportunity. Normally, I'm speaking with clients or prospects or analysts of Quarry, which is the firm that I work for, which is a demand marketing agency that focuses on standing up sophisticated ABM and demand marketing programs for large B2B firms. Um, normally, it's those clients and, and the prospects of that firm that I interview. Today, it's actually one of my colleagues. And the reason why I felt that he was a very worthy guest is he is our point person for getting into the tech stack of these organizations. And very often these engagements start with a tech assessment. What's it gonna take to get our tech stack ready, either ready to pilot ABM or in many cases, ready to scale after we've had a successful ABM pilot. So my guest today is David Chirical, my colleague at Quarry. That is fantastic, man. Let's get into the tech stack. We need to know what technology to use. So enough strategy on both the other ones, Eric Martin and Bob Peterson one. Now we get into the tech stack. So let's dive right into it. Hey, Flip My Funnel, Steve Watt from Quarry here. In our continuing series on ABM in large, sophisticated enterprises. For those of you who've been listening along the way, we've talked a lot about strategy. We've talked about people. We've talked about processes. An area we have not spent much time on is technology. And we are going to go deep 
into the ABM tech stack today. With me is one of my colleagues at Quarry, who has a ton of experience in this space, many years of MarTech experience, and a whole lot of client work helping organizations really gear up their tech stack for maximum effectiveness in an ABM world. I'm really excited to welcome David Chiracle, Senior Director of Marketing Technology and Operations at Quarry. David, thanks for joining the show today. Happy to be here, Steve. I'm excited. You and I have been chatting as we kind of geared up for this, and we recognized that there's a lot of different ways we could approach this. But how about we start with how you got to the point where you are now of really leading client work as regards their tech stack as they either move into an ABM world or as they really accelerate through that process? My career has grown up in the marketing technology space. I came out of university in the golden age of marketing automation, really just picking up. And, you know, since then, you know, technology has just grown at an exponential rate. I think we've all seen Scott Brinker's crazy technology infographic and now it's like over 9,000 different technologies or so forth. I can't even keep count anymore. But the exciting thing for me over the past 10, 15 years is just seeing that growth of technology and the different ways organizations are using technology and understanding that no two businesses are the same, no two technology stacks are the same. And it's really been a lot of fun to just kind of really understand what our client needs are as I've kind of grown up in this space and understanding that different technology stacks can be configured in different ways to support various strategy, whether it's an ABM strategy or just demand marketing strategy as a whole. I'm no different than most B2B marketers that I'm challenged consistently around the growth of technology and how it's just consistently changing the types of data that you need access to to be effective as a marketer, the, you know, the level of integration that your tools need to have in place. I often say you can't buy ABM, you have to build it. You can't look at ABM as a tool set. It's a strategy. It's a way of going to market. But technology is really important. I mean, especially as you go to scale ABM, mm -hmm. you can be very much held back by a tech stack that is not properly configured for ABM. And you can miss out on a lot of opportunities that a really well-honed stack can deliver. And I know you've been working with a lot of clients as they've gone through that journey, and you've had the opportunity to get under the hood in a lot more companies than most people have. I think we have a real opportunity in today's episode to dig into that and really explore what some of the best practices are in terms of readying your tech stack for ABM success, and also helping listeners to avoid some of the common pitfalls. That's definitely near and dear to my heart, so happy to dive in on that front. <laughs> now, I know that you say there is no perfect ABM tech stack. It comes back to your strategy. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. One of the more common questions that I have in my role from our clients is, what is the right ABM stack? You know, what technology do I need for ABM? And more often than not, my answer back to them is, well, what's your ABM strategy? What have you outlined in terms of, you know, are you using ABM to grow business with existing accounts? Are you trying to target net new 
uh, accounts. Is a, and that really informs the types of technologies from a data perspective you might need. Do you need to explore predictive and types of tools that help you identify and prioritize accounts? Or is it uh, more about kind of getting more data around segmentation strategy and so forth? We might dive into, are we doing more of a marketing-led or sales-led type approach with ABM where lots of offline sales outreach type approaches versus you know, marketing-led digital approach, that's going to inform a different type of tech stack that you need. What are your KPIs and, and metrics to measure against your ABM strategy? That's also going to inform the types of technology that you need in your stack. So really, I like to think of things in terms of the targeting. You know, How are you looking to identify prioritizing segment accounts? That'll inform the types of technology you need there. Engagement and attraction, like what are the different channels within your marketing mix that you're looking to engage your, your buyers with? You know, what level of personalization do you require in order to deliver those bespoke experiences for those buyers that helps convert them and make them want to have conversations with your sales team? How are we orchestrating our various programs across marketing and sales and across channels? And then ultimately, how do we need to measure? And, you know, usually thinking about those four key buckets will really help us define what is the right marketing technology stack to support your ABM strategy. Okay. So if I got that right, you talked about targeting, engagement, orchestration, and measurement as the four buckets. I like that way of thinking about it. Now, before we talk about any specific purpose-built ABM tools, let's talk about your existing stack and the challenges and opportunities there. So let's presume that you're a typical large corporation. You have a pretty substantial MarTech stack. You are Moving into an ABM world, how effective is your existing stack going to be? I mean, I I think that one of the core problems is that your existing stack is geared up for a lead-centric world, and we're going to have to move into more of an account-centric world. Is that something that is addressable within your existing tools, and you can overcome that and get account level roll-ups and account level reporting and account level triggering and all the sorts of things you need by just using your current tools better? Or do you find yourself needing new tools relatively early in the game? Yeah. Oh, Steve, that's a tough one. (laughs) Of course, and uh, which makes my job a lot of fun is that usually the answer is it depends. But I think what we do know, what is just a fact, and marketers are realizing this more and more, is that they're not currently getting all that they can out of their existing marketing technology stack. I think there was a recent report from Serious Decisions where 61% of marketers feel like they are getting, maybe capitalizing on two thirds of the capabilities of their marketing technology stack. So there's a lot of opportunity for marketers to get more out of their existing investment in technology. And I think you know a separate report where we have CMOs saying, I think it was Gartner recently, highlighting that technology spend is expected to decrease this year. So I think marketers are realizing that there's an opportunity here to get more out of their existing technology and, you know, how can they optimize the usage of their their actual technology to get greater value out of it rather than just always increasing the spend and just buying more tools. But I guess then it really comes down to, again, thinking through where are those core gaps in your technology stack with respect to delivering on your ABM strategy. You talked about kind of the lead to an account-based world. Well, one of the biggest challenges, you know, people have with respect to ABM and, and kind of the limitations that the old kind of core MarTech have is this 
you know, it is, it has been built into, in, with respect to a lead centric model, you know, your marketing automation platform, your CRM being kind of leads, contacts, accounts, and not being able to simply link leads to accounts is a huge challenge. And that ultimately impacts our ability to track how our accounts are engaging as a whole, how we're, you know, progressing pipeline forward. They've got an investment in Marketo or in Eloqua or in HubSpot. And they want to know, look, is, is this reconfigurable for an account-centric world? Do I need to start by bringing in purpose-built tools or can I use what I've already made an investment in and what my team is already familiar with? Can I use that to get me well down the road in ABM? Mm-hmm. It's kind of this question of piloting learning versus how scaled up do your efforts need to be immediately. I think where some of the limitations exist with your typical kind of core marketing technology ecosystem of your you know, marketing automation platform, your CMS and your CRM, is that some of that lead to account matching and tracking of an entire kind of accounts and buyer groups as they progress through the funnel. Our Marketos and our Eloquas and you know, Salesforce haven't necessarily been configured to support that type of data model. Where we see clients tackle that in the short term is almost... You know, for pilots, they have a defined set of accounts that they're going after. They have, they have the identified contacts and that make up those buying groups. And we're doing some like preloading of contacts and data and essentially creating our systems to work for that particular pilot environment. This becomes a super, super challenging to scale, you know, as new leads are coming in from our inbound efforts, making sure they're properly getting tagged to accounts so that sales are being able to act on those effectively. You know, not having the right data and technology infrastructure in place makes those efforts much more challenging to scale up. So the idea, I would say, is don't use technology gaps as a way to say, no, I can't get started with ABM. I think there's opportunities to start piloting different ABM approaches within your existing technology stack and infrastructure, while at the same time having a parallel path where we're starting to build on some of those foundations and considering new tools and technology and or considering new ways that our existing technology could be deployed to support more scaled ABM efforts down the road. You and your team are often brought into large enterprises to do a readiness assessment of sorts, a a tech stack assessment. Is that generally at the very beginning of when they're going to go into ABM or is it at that point that you just defined? Okay, we've run a pilot. Now we're ready to hit the gas. Help us figure out what we need. I think it's at various points of maturity. I think more often recently, it's been more about the idea of we already have kind of well architected and well-oiled machine from a technology perspective to support our typical demand gen efforts. We maybe run some pilots around ABM using the technology that we have, but we're seeing some challenges with respect to X, Y, or Z. Maybe that's in terms of targeting the right accounts or finding the right contacts within those accounts to, you know, probably the most common one right now is kind of the personalization tools and how can we deliver personalization at scale. So we're helping our clients at that point in their journey think through are the challenges that they currently have, can they be addressed feasibly within their current MarTech stack? And we don't want to come up with too many hacks that then this ultimately, you know, creates barriers down the road. I think sometimes we we feel like rather than investing in new technology, it's better use of our resources to kind of you know, cobble together things. But then that creates different challenges down the road that 
ultimately limit our ability to scale further. So we're evaluating whether or not we're going, helping to set them up and develop a roadmap to these are the tools and technologies that you need now. Here's ways that you can further optimize your usage of current marketing technology versus sometimes our clients are like, we have no idea where to start. Help us get started with ABM. What is the technology in place? And it might just be, okay, we need to help you get some new tools in here versus it might be, let's just show you how to crawl, walk, run using your existing technology. And would I be right in presuming that sometimes they have already gone out and bought some specific ABM tools and perhaps are struggling to integrate and, and really get maximum use of them. Yeah. And other times it's, it's earlier than that. It's like, help us figure out what we need before we start buying things. Yeah. And I think we're trying to encourage our clients a lot more to, to have that conversation earlier because too often than not, there's this buyer's remorse around technology. We make this huge investment because we heard the new buzzword around intent data or an ABM platform as a whole. And we go out, spend thousands and thousands of dollars on that technology, our contract signed, and we don't actually see any value from that technology for six months, maybe 12 months, maybe even longer than that. So what we can help our clients do and what B2B marketers should be doing is before making that investment in technology, really defining what the next six to 12 to 18 months need to look like for you as a B2B demand marketer, specifically around ABM. What is your ABM strategy? What's your roadmap around ABM? And making sure we're making, setting up our investments in technology to align with that path. You may not need to buy the full ABM platform right in the beginning. You might just need a particular capability like getting access to intent data to inform how we're prioritizing accounts versus buying a full kind of ABM platform that gives you intent, KPI metrics, targeted advertising, as well as orchestration capabilities. You might not need all of that in the immediate term and can work on a way of slowly layering in those capabilities, reducing your upfront investment, but then making sure you're getting a higher return on your marketing technology investment longer term. Now, I've heard you and your team talking about clients being able to pilot tools on Quarry's licenses or on Quarry's paper, as, mm -hmm. as I've heard you put it. I don't fully appreciate how that works. Can you explain that? One of the biggest challenges our clients are facing right now is that there's a massive amount of pressure on them to show return on investment. And a big part of their marketing budgets are spent on new technologies. The reality is like when our clients are working with some of these vendors out there, typically they have you know, 12 to 24 month terms that you need to opt into. So you're immediately committing yourself to hundreds of thousands of dollars for at least 12 to 24 months to start leveraging this technology and not necessarily knowing or being confident immediately that you're going to see the success that you were hoping for. So that's a big risk for marketers to be taking. On top of that, you Typically, especially large enterprises are having to work with security teams to make sure those vendors are properly vetted. That could be a two to three to four month effort. They're working with procurement to go through all the red tape that is necessary to get budget approvals for these types of technology investments. So we've been able to really work out some fantastic partnerships with uh, various technology vendors that are happy to work with Quarry with our clients to help them gain access to that technology on shorter terms. So maybe it's three to six months or so to access a content experience platform where they're not necessarily going directly to 
you know, the path factories, the Uber flips of the world to get a new license, but they're actually able to do that through Quarry on a shorter term license. Same with various data intent providers and ABM platforms. How can they get access and trial that technology through a program with Quarry for a shorter term investment? Uh, and then ultimately, you know, prove that value of that technology, see how it's really helping to enable the success of their ABM strategy. And then that makes their case to their kind of leaders internally much easier when they come asking for the the money or the budget to ultimately invest longer term directly with that vendor. Seems it addresses the chicken and the egg problem a little bit. How do I prove ROI on these new technologies until I've used them? Mm-hmm but I can't buy them until I prove ROI. So I'm stuck. So it kind of unsticks. Mm-hmm. I can make a shorter term engagement where I can, I can actually leverage these tools, prove that they move the needle for my organization and then go out and sign a contract with those guys on my own. Yeah. And then once you do sign that contract directly on your own, you've already kind of gone through the pains, I guess, of what typical, what typical marketers go through when they get new technology, they learn from it. And that means it's faster time to value once they get that access to technology directly with the vendor. Got it. Let's talk more about pains. What are some of the common pitfalls or common pains that you've seen again and again, where organizations have been moving along a path of ABM, perhaps they've piloted and now they're in in a, a phase of really scaling it or at some other phase. Do you see the same mistakes or the, or the same dangers again and again, or is every situation different? I think every situation is different, but there are definitely some common, I guess, pitfalls that I think our, our clients and, you know, just generally in, in the space that we see. And I think not having just a well-defined marketing technology strategy and roadmap is the biggest piece and making sure that that is aligned with your broader B2B demand marketing strategy. Most commonly, what we see is you purchase, you make a purchase in a new technology, and it's meant to address this one particular use case, but there's no real plan on how to further fine tune and continue to invest in how that technology is deployed. And more often than not, a period of time passes, and we're just not getting the value out of that technology as a result. And that could be, you know, things like failing to continue to refine your business processes and making sure your technology is you know, aligned with that. One of my colleagues here at Quarry, I, I feel like he's used this a number of times of don't automate bad processes. And this was a common thing that we would talk to our clients about when they were first kind of exploring you know, marketing automation. And this idea of like technology being a panacea for all things that ails your organization, we consistently see that. We don't kind of see how do a reflection on how our programs went, where things fell down as a part of ABM. Was there some process challenges? Was marketing and sales not necessarily aligned with their roles and responsibilities as a part of this? And as a result, do we need to adjust how our technologies deployed help enable the improvement of those processes? But if we continue to just let set it and forget it, don't revisit kind of things that aren't working and make sure that we're investing in and in further optimizing how that technology is supporting us, then we're going to consistently feel remorse about our technology or feel challenged by our technology or might be getting pushback from other areas within the organization to say, we need to reduce our spend on that technology because it's not delivering the value we need, where it's more the fact that we just haven't invested in continuing to optimize how we're using As an organization matures as an ABM practitioner, does the tech stack tend to 
grow because they're adding new tools or, or does it sometimes shrink? I know I've spoken with some people who have gone through a rationalization process within their stack as they've moved through ABM maturity. They've actually shed more tools than they've added. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing in that regard? Definitely. The pendulum has, has shifted from 2017 to 2018 and then 2018 over the past year. We saw a dramatic increase in marketing technology spend. But this is the first year over the past you know, uh, three to five years that the, we're expecting to see a decrease of marketing technology spend. And I think that's because marketers are investing further on how they can leverage the existing tools they have. They can develop their own net new apps. That's the other cool thing about marketing technology right now is that it's very simple for a B2B marketer to build their own custom apps on some of these tools to address specific needs rather than having to buy new tools. So I think generally, definitely seeing across the industry, marketing technology investment decrease in the number of tools in their marketing tech stack decrease. And that's because of a greater focus on optimizing the existing deployment. It's not uncommon with our clients when we're performing an assessment of their existing marketing technology stack, that there's just a lot of redundancies. There was a recent client we worked with where I think they had five different data vendors just purely for getting contacts for sales. And these technologies were owned by different functional groups or different kind of business units within the, within the organization. And they essentially were able to identify that one of those core uh, technologies addressed all their data needs from a contact uh, perspective and that there wasn't any need to have these other Ford uh, vendors. So, hey, they're reducing that spend. And now that that budget is able to be deployed in a different way to either, you know, for net new technology or for new capabilities that they might invest in with their existing tech. There's a lot of talk about intent data. And I think there's a lack of clarity about the different types of intent data and the purpose of intent. What's your take on intent data and how a large enterprise can make the best use of it? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, like, there's kind of like getting alignment on what we feel is intent in this case, because I think a number of people talk about intent just being all type of engagement data. How can we see that a particular account or a buyer is you know, leaning forward and actively in market for a solution? When I think about intent you know, specifically, I'm thinking about more of that third party intent that you get from the Bomboras and the demand bases of the world, where we're looking for those signals that an account is showing interest in a particular offer or solution or topic uh, more than you know, they typically do. So can we see there's a spike in the consumption of content around a particular topic like B2B marketing or account-based marketing. Then there's other types of intent, which is more that first party intent or engagement data. How are they actually engaging with your specific properties uh, on your website and so forth? I think when we're thinking about intent, there's a number of different opportunities that we can be leveraging intent for. You know, the most common thing is how we're leveraging intent to, as a part of our prioritization efforts for, you know, developing our target account list. We're going to prioritize and target certain accounts uh, more actively because we can see they're showing you know, some lean forward interest in a, in a particular topic that aligns with a offer that my brand delivers upon or my product and service delivers upon. Other areas that, we start, that we're starting to leverage intent much more frequently for is to inform our 
you know, messaging, content, and, and personalization strategy. And I think this is a really exciting area within our space because you know, personalization is so important as a tenant of account-based marketing, using intent to actively have reach out and engage buyers based on topics that we can see that that account is surging on can be incredibly valuable because gone are the days are of personalization saying, hey, Steve, and first name, you know, field token or whatever, but being contextual and relevant is super important. So do, being able to deliver content experiences that align with what they're already searching on uh, across other digital channels can be incredibly powerful in terms of bringing people in and engaging them with, uh, with content and helping them to progress forward in their buying journey. Okay, so intent helps us target the right accounts at the right time, but it also helps us dial our message into what mm-hmm. we know is a surging topic at that organization. Yeah. We don't get down to the person, the, the contact level on intent, right? It's, it's aggregated at the account level? Yeah, so there's uh, generally, yes, that's, that's the case. With some of, your, with some of those providers being the Bumboras and, uh, and demand bases, is more at the account level. We are starting to see, you know, some new technologies come out from the likes of like Spiceworks, for example, where you can, because they're tracking engagement from an individual subscriber within their uh, publishing group, that you can start to get intent data right down to the contact level. Obviously, the scale is not there. The volume of intent data is not there as it is with Bumboras and Demandbase. But those are some of the new ways of intent that we're starting to see where we can actually start to track at the individual level versus only at the account level for some of these larger, you know, platforms that have kind of. And I guess once some individuals from that account start to engage with your own properties and you start to cookie them Mm -hmm. or they start to opt in, now you start getting some more granular, you know, maybe you've got four lines of business on your website or, or Mm -hmm. four value props and you start seeing what they're engaging with. And now I guess you're going to be layering that account level third-party surging intent together with the more granular individual interaction. And you start getting a really clear picture of where you resonate. Well, yeah. Well, the reality is in B2B and account-based, we're still, we're still looking to communicate and engage with human beings. So you're adding in that layer of personalization at the contact level. It can be incredibly important in terms of engaging different buyers across the buying group. So Absolutely at kind of that level one personalization at the account level using combination of just firmographic details, but then layering in some of that intent, but then, you know, tracking individual buyers as they're engaging with your properties to now start delivering more bespoke experience for those particular individuals, whether it could be more persona based, it could be based on how they're specifically kind of engaging particular content that tells us hey, this is more of a mobilizer versus a decision maker or have influencer or so forth. We can start delivering more personalized experiences at that level. But then, yeah, that's when we start to track even down to the demographic profile details. And maybe it's just specifically by role that we're looking to personalize. Having all that types of uh, data that we continuously track and bring together in order to deliver very personalized experience can be incredibly powerful. Let's talk a little bit more about personalization and and you referenced that kind of zero value personalization of dropping my name into a subject line or dropping my company name into something. I think there's been a bit of a backlash against that kind of faux personalization because it doesn't 
It doesn't help me in any way. You're talking about personalization that actually delivers value. Right? You're talking about personalization that helps bring the most relevant information to the surface for me, correct? Yeah, I think people were all we're all very sophisticated consumers now and understand that a first name field marriage is not really personalization, but a brand that's able to make my job easier because they're delivering content that's relevant, timely and contextual to my needs. Those are the brands that I'm going to gravitate to. So leveraging intent is a hugely powerful data point that can inform what type of relevant, timely and contextual content can, can I deliver tracking their engagement with our particular own digital properties. It, it can be incredibly valuable, but that also we can't bypass some of the other things that we need to have in place. And that's ensuring that we have a kind of ideal account profile, that we have the buyer insights that we have, that we need to know about our particular buyers, that we have personas uh, that we can leverage as a way to inform the types of content these particular buyers want once we're able to identify them and map them to that particular persona. And I think when most people think about this content journey, they think about the right piece of content, but you've gone even deeper and you've done personalization within content pieces, correct? Mm -hmm. I, I remember you telling me about some work you did with Oracle at one point where there was personalization on multiple levels within the downloaded PDF, yeah. we're injecting different images and different testimonials and other things mm-hmm. into that so that each person got a, a piece of content that was just seemed like bespoke for them. Mm-hmm. I think that's really wild. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a fun one. So I think ultimately, again, it started with this idea of like, we need to have a well-defined segmentation model. You know, what are the types of buyers that we're looking to engage and what are the meaningful personalized elements that will make a difference for that buyer and what will have impact both in terms of a wow factor, but also still deliver great relevant content to that buyer. So we essentially broke things down uh, by buying stage, which we were trying to identify what stage in the buying journey these contacts are at. That was really enabled and supported by Oracle's lead scoring model that helped us map buyers to a particular stage in their journey. We had different content based on vertical and as well as function and department. And essentially after developing all those insights around what are the different types of buyers that might be consuming this asset, what is the data that we're going to use to map to help identify which buyers are reading the asset at that point in time? and setting up a segmentation model within their marketing automation platform that once that user is known, can we see lead score? Can we see you know, particular you know, accounts, you know, vertical are they in? And what particular you know, buying role do they have within the buying group? And ultimately, that is all data that feeds our personalization deployment engine that says, okay, serve up this experience based on these key criteria. And it's all being done in real time, which is you know, lots of fun. So it's not just the next right piece of content. It's actually the perfect piece of content customized for this individual based on all those factors you identified. Yeah, absolutely. That's wild. Mm -hmm. I love it. (laughs) Thanks so much, David. Uh, This has been uh, David Chiricle, Senior Director, Marketing Technology and Operations at Corey. Really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me, Steve. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.